Good morning, church, and greetings to you in Jesus' name. And it's my privilege to work my way through uh, the Bible uh, whenever I get an opportunity. And we've been looking at Corinthians. We've done 1 Corinthians, now we're doing 2 Corinthians, and now we're coming almost to the tail end of uh, 2 Corinthians. And today we, as we have heard uh, Candice read to us uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 to 21, we're going to be looking at those verses. Uh, firstly, the big picture. It's always uh, uh, easy for us sometimes to be caught up with what's happening in uh, our lives and forget the big picture. The big picture is God loves his family. God has chosen uh, his people in Christ Jesus. And uh, such people have been awakened in their soul. Something in, in one of the theologians put it as, there was a warmth in their soul or an enlightening, the lights go on, and sudden realization, we are sinners and we need saving and Christ is our savior. How did he do it? He went to the cross and he died for our sins. Uh, the Christ of God came to save, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he became sin on account of us, though he, was, he knew no sin. And uh, in him we are included and we suddenly feel that sense. We need to change our thinking, turn from our sin, turn towards him and become part of his family. And he just wants us to know we are his family by sealing us with the Holy Spirit of God, who is with us always. Sometimes in life what happens is we get so busy with stuff, we get worried, we become anxious because we lose sight of the fact that God is with us. He deeply, deeply loves his family. He is a good, good father. That's important for us to keep that in focus. And uh, when Christ was here, he died, he was buried, on the third day he rose again, all in accordance with scripture. He was seen by many, he instructed his disciples, ascended into heaven, he's interceding for us, making a place for us, he's coming back for us. All this is happening at this point in time. So, and what happened is God commissioned the church, God commissioned his disciples to go and make other disciples. And these disciples became Christ communities, the church, which we are one of them. We are Christ community. We are, we are not coming here just to think like, oh, we're going to know nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. No, we are here because we are Christ community. We are coming here together as a corporate expression, as is commanded in scriptures for us to come, to gather together, to worship together, to grow together. When you meet in small groups, it's the same thing. God does not want us to be isolated. He wants us to be a family. And uh, when it's a family, sometimes uh, there are rough edges, there is uh, hurts, there is upsets. All these things are possible. And this did happen when Christ's communities gathered together. And that's exactly the reason why Apostle Paul had to address many of these things. So let's go a bit further. When Apostle Paul started the church at Corinth, uh, he, after spending a season there, he left and he went to other places. And in the meantime, some other uh, false teachers had made their way in. Their main idea was they were trying to seduce them from their passion for Christ, seduce them for their love and sincerity in service to Christ. 
You know, in today, how does it happen? Today, you've got uh, 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 false teachers as well. What's, what is a false teacher? A false teacher is somebody who deviates uh, from the gospel, who either adds to the gospel or takes away from the gospel, which we've just heard explained. So that's what a false teacher is. And they sometimes, they manipulate you they, with their style, with their rhetoric, and they uh, extract uh, your money, your resources, try to control you. These are things that false teachers tend to do. This is a great thing. How do you know who's a false teacher? A tree is known by its fruit. So if you can see, if they're, if they're not living a godly life, they're not living a righteous life, if they're, if they're being, uh, not living circumspectly, it's a big warning bell. If they're deviating from scripture, that's the biggest warning bell. So this, these are things that you need to keep in mind. So this was such a real thing, that we their way into the Corinthian church in the absence of Paul, and uh, uh, try to uh, consolidate their position by uh, speaking uh, ill of Paul, his ministry, his person, uh, his apostleship. And this letter is about defending his apostleship. Last time, what did we look at? Last time we looked at the fact that Paul very reluctantly uh, talks about his special revelation that we had. We concluded, can God speak to us in a personal way, in a special way? Of course he can. Personal, personal things are personal. It's not necessary for the, the, the public or uh, for the wider body of the church. So Paul has an experience, a unique experience of being transported into uh, a paradise or to third heavens where he sees certain things but he's, uh, he cannot write about it because he, that's not for public, that's for his personal relationship. So in this, what do we see? God wants to have a personal relationship. He might show you wonderful things and put things in your heart that's personal to you. But there are other things which he will want to share with people too. So he also says, not only when he was speaking about this, he said, I don't want to boast about these things. You know, uh, today, if, you know, if you go and look on one of these uh, Christian media as such, if people do have one of these experiences, they're immediately on a book tour, writing a book and doing talk shows and all sorts of stuff, trying to say, look, look at me, I have gone to heaven and come back. And very often their description of heaven is, if that's really the description of heaven, it doesn't match up with scripture. And if that's a description of heaven, you kind of think, well, that's no big deal. You know, actually, Bible says uh, God has prepared something that you cannot imagine, you can't think of. It is something far, 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 far better than what uh, people are describing. And also remember, visions and pictures and prophecy are all in part. It's tiny in part. It's not the full thing. And yet we make a big deal uh, when such people come and say things which we cannot factually check. Okay, let's park that there. Despite all this, he says, I'm not going to boast in all those things, but I'm going to boast in my weakness. And he talks about a thorn in the flesh. And we looked at that last time. He said it was a messenger of Satan uh, uh, sent by, uh, God permitted it for him to be buffeted by this thing. And we looked at three things. Number one, we said it was physical. It was uncomfortable. And I told you the story. I've tried to walk with a thorn in my feet, and it's not comfortable. Number two, we said it was mental. In other words, he was being tormented frequently by this particular thing. 
Number three, we said it's spiritual because it served a purpose not to make you proud. This is something else. When things go well for you, it's so easy to become proud. Look by my hard work. Look what I've achieved. I came here with one little bag. Look at me. I got a whole tribe. And look at me. I got a house. I got this. I got that. So easy for us to become proud. Uh, but, you know, God doesn't want us to be proud. The things that we need to boast about, boast in the Lord. And your boast has to be factual. Your boast, the motives has to be pure. That is for Christ. Now, we are going to launch into today's text. Today we are starting in verse 11. And he says, um, in verse 11 he says, You made me act like a fool. I did not want to boast, but you made me do it. You see, some Paul is so human, I like that. Sometimes, you know, how many often we say, you made me do it. Uh, you know, he had a choice, of course, but he wanted to defend his apostleship here. And here in this instance, there were, others were trying to say that we are super apostles. We are better than Paul. But Paul is saying, actually, I'm no way inferior to you guys. And uh, he said, uh, he then he began to give proof of his apostleship. And what is it? Signs, wonders, and miracles. These things were done with patience. In other words, eh, over a period of time uh, within the church. Remember, the Corinthian church was a gifted church. You will find in the previous letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they had so many gifts. You remember that? There was infighting over the gifts. Like, you know, my gift is better than your gift. Na 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 na. That kind of stuff was going on there. And, but that's not the. So, so, if you have abundance of something, what happens is we can become desensitized. You get the picture? Sometimes it's, it's like sometimes we talk about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, we fail to appreciate people when they do things for us because they're doing it regularly. So that's the same within the church. You know, you can get into that habit. Here they were desensitized because there were so many guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got healed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. What's next, you know? You know, oh, this person uh, got spoken to their life. Oh, yeah, cool, cool, yeah. That, that was a good sermon, yeah. Yeah, we, we hear good sermons all the time, you know. So you can get desensitized. But this is why we call this as the message would be brought to you. It's a message from God. If it's a message from God, if, it's a, if you hold God dearly, then you will want to listen to every word that he says. And then you go back and think, and you think some more, and you think some more, and you think some more, and say, oh, I didn't understand that bit. Oh, God, I understood that bit. Thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes. This is a personal relationship. That's what we are aiming for, is to have a close, authentic, personal relationship with God. Okay? Let's go a bit further. He did uh, lots of miracles, and then he does something. He speaks sarcastically. He says, you know, one thing I didn't burden you with, you know, which uh, in other churches I burdened them with, and he's saying, I did not do that. That is with regard to receiving financial support from the church. Question, is it right for a minister to receive financial support from his local church? Of course, yes. Why did Paul not want to receive financial support from the Corinthian church? Because Corinthian church was a, a port city, it was a university city, and there was lots of traveling speakers who were coming, and many of the traveling speakers, when they come, they receive an honorarium. In, in those days, they would make a speech, after a speech, they would, there's a hat collection. 
if you like, you know, to pay back for their services they have provided. That was common practice. And even in the church, there was collection made for the support of the ministers. But he wanted to distance himself from these false teachers. Some of them were out in this business just to make money. He wanted to distinct, he wanted to make, put a distinction. This is my USP. I don't take money like these guys. That's what he was trying to say to the Corinthian church. And he's sarcastic and he says like, you know, I spared you that one problem. Please forgive me for this wrong. That was a bit, the, the sarcastic bit. Then, uh, now he's going to talk about his next visit. Uh, previously, he had said he was coming and he didn't come. He changed his plans on a number of occasions. That was in fact one of the reasons uh, posed by these false teachers, Paul, Mr. Mr. Paul is unreliable. Mr. Paul really doesn't care. Mr. Paul doesn't keep his appointments. He really doesn't love you. These were things they were saying. Paul this time is saying, I'm coming, I'm coming for a third time. So what is the first time? He came when he started the church. They spent 18 months in Corinth and he said that was his first visit. Second visit was a painful visit, a brief visit in order to correct some issues. Now he's coming the third time. And pretty much what he's saying, I'm coming, ready or not. Like we, we, we as children, we used to play this game, you know. Uh, and we say, I'm coming, ready or not. He's going to come. This time he's coming. And he says, when I come, I don't want to be a burden to you. And uh, one of the things is, Paul is saying, other people came to receive material benefits from uh, the church, but Paul is saying, I'm not like that. I don't want your money. I want you. I want you. And, you know, more than anything, you know, we might say, oh, I, I can give God money. You, you think that God's kind of short of money? You think like, oh, I'm just wait, I'm just, I'm hoping that Larry would give me a tenner today. I'm really skint. You know, is he thinking like that? No. He wants you. Everything you have is his. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life. You know, that word be holy uh, uh, means be exclusively his. Be holy as I'm holy. He's saying, I want, you, I want you exclusively. Wow, Christians are exclusively his because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Imagine for a sit, sit, sit back for a moment and just think, I belong to God, I'm exclusively His, and I've acted as though I'm not. That's often the case with me. I have to constantly remind myself, I'm exclusively His, and then go about living life. Okay? So I want to encourage you again uh, that exclusivity. And when He comes there, He uses the analogy of a parent. He says, Parents, you know, whether it was Mike and Jenny coming to see us when we were newly married, living in London, she would bring, bring a macaroni cheese and a lentil bake and some uh, trifle and then some goodies in a bag and, you know, and all this to see us. Because she's coming for, for, coming for a couple of days, but they don't want to be a burden to us. And when they come, they say, oh, shall we buy you an ice cream or go and have a cup of tea or scones or something like that. Parents are always like, how can I help? How can I help? My parents live in India, and uh, they, uh, I'm, I, and they are in their late 80s, even till date. When it's my birthday, when it's my wedding anniversary, they have they put a hundred pounds 
in equivalent in Indian rupees in my Indian account because they can't send the money here and they just say when you come I put money aside so you can enjoy yourself. Can you see that? Can you, can you see that? The, that's, that's parents always their mindset is how can I bless my children? Paul's heart was how can I bless the Corinthian church? He was like a father to them. He's saying I don't want to be a burden to you. And everything I do is for your spiritual good because I love you. But you know, sometimes when children are cross, how do they behave? Uh, you know, they, they go onto a strop and they stand like this. And when I say, uh, and you try to love them and say, nope, nope. They kind of get into a strop. The Corinthian church seemed to be similar. Apostle Paul is saying, that it seems like the more I love you, the less you seem to love me back in return. But don't be like that. So here's an application point. When people care for you uh, in that, with that paternal heart of God, with that, you know, be generous to them, be warm to them, be kind to them, be responsive to them. In another part of the Bible it says, you know, be warm towards your elders in the church so that they, they can do their job nicely and easily. So I would encourage you again, whether they're a home group leader, whether it's an elder, whether it's a pastor, uh, or somebody in position comes in uh, who serve and look out for your best interests, your spiritual interests. Be kind to them, be generous to them, be warm to them. And uh, then there's the divided camp in, in Corinth. Some people thought that Paul did not take money. Some people thought, oh, he's quite a tricky guy and he uses some devious plans and tries to control you, etc., etc. Paul is trying to put that to rest. And he says, did, in matters of money, didn't I act with integrity? And then he goes on to say, my team also acted with integrity. Here's something for us, Cornerstone Church. Our handbook on conduct would be integrity. Integrity in service, whether you're running a toddler group, or a home group, you're a member, whether you're doing some work, everything you do for God, do it with integrity. That's what we need to do. And if they should say, if we should be known as these people are men and women of their word and they stand by what they do. They stand by what they believe and what they speak. Okay? Then finally, verses going down to 19, um, you might be thinking, I'm saying all this just to defend myself. Well, I tell you this, as Christ servants, we know that God is listening. It's, he calls God is my witness. That's not the purpose I'm here for. I'm not trying to defend myself for the sake of it, but I'm here. Uh, everything we do, dear friends, is for your benefit. Okay. Then he goes on to talk about certain fears. Paul was human. He had some fears. The first fear he had, I, when I return on this third visit, I may not like what I find. First fear. Second fear, you may not like my response. Then he says, I, I'm, I'm afraid that I might find that you're still quarreling, jealousies, there's outbursts of anger, selfishness, backstabbing, gossip, conceit, disorderly behavior. 
I mean, in this regard, I, I learned something from Claire when I uh, first met her. And if anyone comes and wants to do small talk about somebody else, she would be, she'd be so, suddenly she'll cut through all that conversation and say, stop, I don't want to listen to this. You have an issue, go and talk to them, don't talk to me. I used to go, ooh, to that extent she is like that. See, I, what I want to encourage you is don't encourage gossip and slander. The, in the best way to say is if you want to say something about somebody, it must be something you can say in front of them, not just behind them. Then that's a good indicator. If you can say in front of them and say, hey, uh, hey James, uh, this is what I, I am saying, uh, then, I sh then that's, the, that's perfect. You can't say one thing behind the back and, and slander, gossip, it destroys friendship. It destroys the bond of peace. So I would just say that. And secondly, outbursts of anger. We all get angry. We all get angry when our goals are blocked. And what do we do with the anger? So some people say, oh, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. Then suddenly one day, go, ah! I gave them a piece of my mind. I flew off my handle. I'm so sorry. Friends, when you are experience anger, process your anger rightly. Find out the facts. Don't just, and don't just pretend you're not angry. I often tell a story. Uh, when I was in India, one, on one occasion, I was going to visit a friend whom I had visited for seven, eight years. I heard he was in India at the same time. He lives in the States. And I had organized a meet with him. And my brother said, are you going to visit him? I want to visit him too. I haven't seen him in ages. Okay, so now, let's go. And uh, I was meant to visit him, uh, leave at eight o'clock. Then it was nine o'clock. Then it was 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, my brother says, I'm just going to have a shower. I'll join, we can go soon. Livid. Something like, I will miss my opportunity to meet my friend. What, I, what did I do? I just said, I am angry. So I just, first thing is, I went to, my, to the room where I was staying. I just shut the door very quietly and I said, I am angry. I am angry because my goal has been blocked. And I said, God, what do I do with this anger? Should I let my brother have a piece of my mind? No. I said, how am I going to construct me? Then I was able to calm everything down and say, and my right response was, I, I said to my brother afterwards, I was really looking forward to this. I was really disappointed that we didn't make it. I would appreciate that if there's a change of program, it might be good to let me know, then I can make an informed decision. Whether to go with you, without you, that'd be really lovely. Now we have got a beautiful understanding. He will tell me, uh, anything, any slight change, even up to five minutes, he would let me know. See, anger can be constructively managed. You don't need to have an outburst of wrath. Sometimes that can happen. Frustrations within each other in home groups, in small groups can happen. It's good to talk. Good to talk with love. Good to speak the truth in love. Good to season your speech with salt. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Whether this is for your spouse, your friend, your fellow member in the church, it's good to talk. Okay, so having said that, um, then he says, yes, I'm, I'm, he's again afraid of something else. Yes, I'm afraid when I come, God will humble me again because of you. You know, everyone wants to be fruitful, isn't it? Is there anyone who doesn't want to be fruitful? <laughs> we all want things to go well, isn't it? 
And that was Paul's heart. He wanted the Corinthian church to grow in righteousness. And he's saying, if I come and you're still continuing in your old sins and uh, sexual impurity and fornication and all this sort of stuff. If you're still doing these things, it'd be as though my ministry has become unfruitful. It'd be a very sad thing. We all love to see things we are entrusted with flourish. So uh, Paul is making that clear. He's hoping that they will hear this and even if previously his harsh words or his tough words has not changed people, at least him saying, oh, feeling his pain might change. So there, there you are. That, that sums, you, sums up this particular passage. So I'm going to ask a question. How is isn't it so easy for people to go back to doing things how we used to, former ways of doing things? You know, we might have been uh, live, doing things differently. Maybe we were uh, slaves to certain types of sins before and uh, you have come to Christ and now you're different. But sometimes it's human nature for the old nature to make a, a, try to make an appearance. Hey, hey Alex, hey buddy, hey buddy, wanna go for a walk? So it's oh, so easy for old nature to make an appearance. It's important, what do we do in such cases? Pray, confess your sins, confess even your, your trials that you're facing. Go before God and say, God, help me. I don't want to go back to my old ways of doing things. I want to live differently. I want to live for your glory. Please help me. I want to be a changed man. I want to represent you rightly. That would be a prayer. And uh, so just today as we sum up, it's not good to boast. Sometimes we have to boast. If you're boasting, boast honestly and boast because of pure motives. Let your boast be about Christ. Boast about your weakness rather than your strengths and uh, in your weakness God's strength is made known uh, when I'm weak then I'm strong be 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 real uh, uh, with with friends with your authentic Christian community that we are share honestly and openly with each other and uh, don't gossip don't backbite uh, with the matters of money or matters of resources act with integrity uh, so that we'll be uh, giving God all the glory and uh, lastly, don't return back to your former ways of doing things. So I'm going to close there. We're going to pray. And after that, we're going to have a couple of songs of worship. And in a week's time, God willing, we'll be able to sing uh, with our masks on or whatever. The survey, please, if you've not done your survey, please tick that and send it immediately. So by next week, we will be able to do things differently. Uh, shall we pray? Uh, Father God, we thank you for such... Um, <laughs> letters we have today of where we see Apostle Paul honestly dealing with his own feelings and also honestly dealing with issues within the church. Lord, uh, I can only imagine what he felt. Lord, what we are saying is uh, from these letters we can learn and save ourselves some trouble. Lord, we don't want to entertain false teaching, which is a plenty around. We want to stick with the truth and we want to live by the truth. We want to live for you. Lord, we ask that you'll make us better stewards, that we'll be men and women of integrity.
we ask that we may not go back to old ways of doing things. Help us to appreciate those people who care about us uh, and treat them with kindness and warmth. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. We ask, be glorified. And we are saying we are depending on you to see us through. Make us fruitful too. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So I'm going to ask James to play the songs and then...